Welcome to another episode of Consider This. We're glad that you are joining us, and uh, uh, we have the the same lineup. We're not even changing, you know, I guess, actually, in terms of the way that we're sitting, we're not even changing the batting order. That's right. Literally, same lineup all the way from the top to the bottom. And uh, I am your moderator host, Jim. And uh, leadoff hitter. And leadoff hitter. <laughs> um, over Ricky Henderson. See if I can get a walk and then take a steal. That's how I played. Okay. Um, th- but that actually was some pretty good baseball information for those take of you. a steal sounds the, a little awkward yeah that's 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 the hockey way of describing it <laughs> buy a steal <laughs> sell ask for a steal sell sh- a steal <laughs> steal yes that's it okay um, I don't think we're getting any closer. To yes, the exactly. So let's move forward. Uh, in the studio again, I got Justin and uh, Drew who work in our student ministries, and then Ryan and myself work in the adult ministries. But one common denominator is the discipleship emphasis, no matter where we are. And uh, in that context, when we talk about evangelism, which is really um, what we're trying to continue the conversation with today, we see evangelism as an extension of discipleship. So before we go into some specific things in terms of how we how we do it, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk a little bit about the idea. In a lot of churches, um, in a lot of training that actually exists, we we talk about there's two things the church does. One, we evangelize, and two, we make disciples and raise disciples and do discipleship kinds of things. Um, we have wrestled with that, struggled with that, and we actually have a different way of thinking about it. So, Ryan, like, how do we think about that uh, yeah. here at Sunnybrook? In reaction to what we perceived was, and we probably even had this in us, too, um, but we perceived that evangelism and discipleship were viewed as two separate categories of ministry and, and, uh, and not a lot of bleed over between the two. One, one's kind of the initiation, and then down the road we'll take care of the other stuff. And we also talk about it inward and outwardly focused, right? Yes, okay. yes. We, we disciple within the church walls, or we, and then we, we go out to, to evangelize. And, uh, and what we realized, it, this, re- this really, I don't know if it, it was new way of thinking, but we found new ways to articulate it. Um, when we were developing our discipleship program in conjunction with the kind of the, the development of Men's and Women's Encounter, we were talking about wh- wh- what makes a disciple is in part maturity, in part a commitment to holiness and to community and to other such things. But a big part of being a disciple is being a disciple who makes disciples. And so what we realized is that the evangelism and the discipleship aspects of ministry were not over here and over here, or this leads to this. It's that they were so tightly integrated that you really can't do one without the other. Like evangelism that doesn't lead to discipleship is probably really wasn't evangelism. And discipleship that doesn't produce evangelism is probably not discipleship. You know what I mean? And yeah, so they no, they, a, they talk together. Yeah, or not complete discipleship. Yeah. It yeah. can be a form yeah. of discipleship that just hasn't met its full potential yeah. and what it needs to be. And this this even goes back to some of the questions we've had in recent years on this podcast on are we a, a like a seeker sensitive or outwardly oriented church or are we one of those discipleship churches that kind of just takes care of our own? And and this and we all grow like deeper in our faith. Yes. And it's so interesting because that even even that concept that we love to use deep in our faith, when we mean it somewhat uh, neutrally or negatively, mm-hmm. it seems to have at its complete 
removal, any kind of evangelistic yep. sharing of your faith, which I would say then I wouldn't think you're deeper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't, a, a deeper faith mm-hmm. actually is the, the fullness of the faith. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's really interesting how I, I don't think you can get deeper across the board without sharing it. And I would even yeah. say, you know, we'll talk about this in a moment here in terms of how we do it. Probably some of the greatest depths that I've ever gone to have been the result of a conversation that I've had in terms of sharing my faith mm. that has caused me to think about what I believe and mm-hmm. if I believe it and mm-hmm. how I believe it and how I articulate. I mean, it is it has truly caused me to go deeper. And without those conversations with people who do not yet know Christ, mm-hmm. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be even at the maturity level that I'm at. Sure. Yeah. Something I was thinking about on the way here. Actually, we use we use these categories or people. I'm not. The we is mm-hmm. a proverbial mm-hmm. we. Mm-hmm. Use these categories like discipleship happens here in the church, and then anything out there is evangelism. And I started thinking like, no, I actually do some discipleship and evangelism in the walls of the church, and I do some discipleship and some evangelism outside the walls of the church. Yeah, it's never like as as. I don't know, as tight, as boxed as we we make it. In reality, they both happen in both places, and I believe because they're so interweaved together. Yeah. To somehow separate them is actually missing part of the point, yeah. I, I believe, in the text and then in the actual ministry that we do. And then the other thing I was thinking is I do evangelism not just to nonbelievers. Sometimes there's huh. people yeah. who— yeah claim to be believers or are legitimately believers who need to be reminded of Jesus sure, yeah. and the truth that is held there. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be reminded of that. And so, Who wants to do a quick euangelion explanation? Well, because that's, that's kind of an interesting word, right? You can probably even hear it when I say it, euangelion, to it's kind of where we get the concept of the yes, evangelism e- aspect. Euangelion is literally the word we translate gospel which is good news, and then euangelizo, that is to share to that share good that news. news. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I, this good, what is the good news? We've talked about a little bit last week, but it's just a reminder of yeah. the role of Jesus to fix all things, yeah. right? To make all things right. And, and they're so tightly connected that N.T. Wright, a famous New Testament scholar, um, he actually, he doesn't use the word evangelism. He calls it gospeling. Yeah. That's, what, that's how he describes the process. It's gospeling. That Scott McKnight or Scott McKnight quoting N.T. Wright on the gospeling thing. Yeah, sure. Scott McKnight and N.T. Wright uh, worked a lot together I remember in the, King Jesus Gospel. About that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. think that might have been, I can't remember who that was. But it's really kind of neat that, they, that they're basically saying what the gospel proclaims, what the good news actually mm-hmm. is, is us sharing it. So here yeah. is the gospel. And so they're doing the same thing they're, that, that we, you would see in the Greek. Yeah. So, and, like the word evangelize has been hijacked by just English, right? We use it to to ta- say convincing anyone to to like to join your side or to change mm-hmm. their mind is evangelism. And properly speaking, that's not necessarily true. When you talk sure. about gospeling, like, and that's really getting more at what the word is is talking about. Evangelism is a very specific message. Mm-hmm. It's not just trying to yes. convince someone to change their mind. Yes, those are not the same thing. But common English parlance has made them the same thing. But then th- that, that helps us understand why people look at evangelism as Christian imperialism or as any other kind of imperialism. But call it what it is. It's, it's gospel proclamation. Justin, you had a good point. Um, you know, we always make a... a seems like we, we make these assumptions that uh, whenever everyone... Everyone that walks in the doors on a Sunday morning is a follower of Jesus Christ, right? 
and yeah. and they can come to church, maybe even attend classes that we offer and different things like this. And I think one of the messages I think we need to hear is the church is, you're right. I mean, it does happen with uh, the everyday Joe out in your job or in the community, but it also happens within our own doors. And I think it, it's really important that we not always begin with that assumption. Mm-hmm. And the more that we start to ask questions, the more that we hear these answers, like, I don't know if we're really on the same page yeah. on our faith, right? Yeah. And so um, I think that's important to, to realize, not make that assumption always. Think about the phrase, I don't know, have you heard this? Uh, at all times preach the gospel and at sometimes use words. You've well, heard that phrase? I've been bashing it for about the last three years. Okay, tell us why that is not oh, yeah. a helpful phrase. Because First of all, what's it trying to communicate? Like, okay. what, what's, it, what's the let's sentiment be behind it? Let's fair to it and then let's break it down. It is wrongly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we really don't even know who's the one who started it. He was a guy who, by the way, like verbalized the gospel a lot. Yes, so <laughs> it's it's been wrongfully attributed to to him. Um, number two, what they're tr- let, I'm going to start with what they're tr- I'm going to defend it first. Mm-hmm. What they're trying to say is, don't just talk to me. Demonstrate mm-hmm. what the gospel looks like, which is a good thing. We would all Nobody. agree. That's why over time that gets skewed, though. That's why I got suckered in. No, but why I got suckered into saying that people don't know how much you. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The reason why I got suckered into saying and even preaching these things is because I really felt that that was true, that people need to see the gospel enacted, lived out in front of them. And so at all times, preach the gospel when necessary, use words. The problem becomes is that when it comes to what they can see in me, it can be wrongly interpreted as... Mm -hmm. Jim's a nice guy. Um, he is a moral person. So when I when I give of myself and I buy someone's lunch sometime, um, they would go, "Wow, isn't he isn't he kind and isn't mm-hmm. he gracious?" Mm-hmm. Instead of me saying, "Well, let me explain to you why I did that," mm-hmm. um, it's because and 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 again, if I fast track to it, it's because Jesus Christ died and established a kingdom. I am a part of that kingdom because of my faith in Him. And that's where I find my own, like, peace and restoration. And so now I really am free. I mean, I was a nice person anyway, but now I'm actually free to actively engage the world around me and to try to make this world um, his kingdom coming. Yes. And so that's, that's kind of why I bought your lunch. Yes. <laughs> and, and so there's no way that they would understand that. So um, Jim, the follower of Christ, buying somebody's lunch, and then just Trevor, I always use that name as a generic Trevor buying somebody else's lunch just because he's a kind person. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same thing. And unless there is, I'm not even saying that every time you do something kind, you must. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, should you never? Yes. Then the the connection is really never made. And that's the problem with missions that doesn't have a gospel explanation Mm -hmm. is it just looks like kindness. And now we don't look any different and there's nothing wrong with the United Way. I'm grateful for what they do. I think we should be part of their United Day of Caring. So it's a wonderful organization. And but when you remove the gospel articulation, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ dying, a kingdom being established, a Holy Spirit coming, Mm -hmm. sins being forgiven, um, sanctification happening. Right, all for the glory of God, the benefit of others, and our own personal satisfaction and fulfillment and joy. If we don't have that, the connection isn't made. Yeah, that's so good. It can be interpreted poorly, as well as it can be something that people hide behind. It almost becomes 
abomination of what it was meant to do, which is, you're right, our actions and words should match up. We shouldn't be mm-hmm. duplicitous, a word you love to use. Mm-hmm. Um, don't hide behind the fact that we should always live the gospel, and then you never actually share the words of the gospel. Well, and if I can just expose my own wicked heart. Um, that, that, is, that is in the process of actually being healed. So it's not just just wicked, wicked. It's, it's being. So I'm deeply convicted when I hear sermons on evangelism. Hmm. So I really love the ones. Like it really helped me a lot. Going, oh, so I don't have to actually talk about it. <laughs> I can just buy people's lunch. I can do that. Oh man, this I am going to start being a crazy evangelist. Like I evangelize all the time. The other day I was driving, and somebody would like cut off, cut, cut me off, and instead of me like getting angry, I literally just showed them Jesus. And it was like, man, alive, I can, I can really do this. And two things should have been said to me. Number one was, well, you should have been doing that anyway. And then the <laughs> second thing that they, should have been, that they should have said was, is that you, you still are going to need when opportunities come and to seek opportunities and to pray for opportunities and to even push the envelope on those opportunities, I would argue, share the, articulate. That's the word I'm, I'm right now I'm fascinated with. Articulate the, uh, the gospel in, it, in its it's true or form so here's one thing and then i want to jump into the what it looks like okay so i thought this was interesting justin was the one who came up with the questions for last week and i thought it was interesting because your question was i know why you said it it was hey guys let's talk about like where we evangelize and then he excluded anything that kind of happens here excluding Mm -hmm. this place and excluding events let's talk about where you evangelize and, I, and, and my first reaction to that was not, well, that's not fair. But it was just kind of like, huh. If we said to everybody, hey, guys, I want you to think about you evangelize, but I don't want you to think about your families, and I don't want you to think about your workplace. And now tell me where you evangelize. I think most people would go, well, that's not fair. You just cut out a big part of my life. Sure. The majority of my life, actually. The majority of my life. Sure. And so I really kind of thought, I, mean, I but I know what you were doing. Why did I do it? You did it because you wanted us to have to articulate the other places that we go yeah, sure. that we can't just the non-professional the, context. The non-professional yeah. context. Because unlike most people, our part of our job is proclaiming the gospel on a very regular basis. Totally. So th- yeah. that's where it's yeah. unique. And no, so no, no, no. For sure. And I and I like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I I just I couldn't help but think yeah. through it that what I would love for our audience to hear mm. is that in the same way, and you don't need to be working at Sunnybrook for this. In the same way that we see Sunnybrook as a place to evangelize, and I'm not just talking Sunday morning, right? I'm not just talking in a sermon, but I'm talking Sunday morning. Like, I really like how you were even describing this is where we're, we're evangelizing people that are just here that need to be reminded, that we, they need to be gospeled, mm-hmm. right? They need to hear the, the fullness of the gospel. And I love more of the, the, the integrated part that everyone has. So... Um, I, I kind of thought that was kind of an interesting yeah. thing because yeah. we really want everybody to see all of their lives. And yet, just as a, a brief aside, um, to let our audience know, pastors sometimes feel a little guilty about this, mm. don't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We kind of feel like, ah, you know, I kind of am getting a pass on this. Yeah. And I, I would say if this is all you do and you're, you can kind of sleep at night going, well, I preach today. And so I don't really have to. My neighbors weren't there. But, mm-hmm. you know, if they, they know where to find me. That is just not a Christ-like attitude. Mm. But the part that I have been grateful for, and honestly, one of my calls to ministry is because of my zeal to share who Jesus Christ is in the world, and this became, in essence, just kind of how I wanted to spend all of my time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, that's kind of how I've understood my call. Mm-hmm. So, 
Any brief thoughts about that before we get into the nitty-gritty? I don't think that's good. Okay. Um, I, I don't think it's by accident that one of our uh, people around the table, that their, uh, their, their name is D.H. Mm-hmm. in the batting order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drew yes. Henderson, yes. our designated Henderson. That's why my parents gave me that name. They just mm-hmm. like he's going to aspire to be this great baseball player, and we well, got to make this connection. Doesn't surprise me. Didn't work. So as one the home <laughs> run in pitching machine, <laughs> that's what I've got. But you remember it? That was I a, do that was a it. sweet trot around <laughs> the bases. Awesome. So here's the here's the thing. So our our designated hitter. So what does evangelism look like? Um, when you have some conversations, and I know it's all across the board, yep. so you can either pick something that you know, kind of a natural way in which you share the gospel, or yep. get to the point of sharing the gospel. Because I want to yep. kind of deal with both of those. Yep. How do you get to that point? And then once you're in it, what are some things that you you do? Yeah. So teach us. Well, uh, I think that is, I think the reason for this whole conversation and podcast is I think up to this point, we would all say, well, I would say most Christians would say, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yes. I am supposed to wherever I am, whether it's in the church or or wherever I'm supposed to share my faith. So in waiting and waiting and waiting, and then how does that really happen? And so as I was thinking about this a little bit, I thought there might be some uh, formal ways to do this and then more ways that are informal and then um, I would say even led by the Holy Spirit um, say each and every day so uh, I kind of think of everything in terms of my own experience and stories so I think of a couple stories one would be a formal experience and ways that I have learned how to more formally share my faith uh, and that would be um, asking people what they really believe Um, And I've found that instead of, hey, can I just share with you what I believe about Jesus Christ? Typically, opening that door and getting to that point of, you know, what do you really believe about God, Mm -hmm. about life, Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. uh, real matters? And I think deep down inside, everybody does believe something about that. It gets buried beneath uh, life and the pursuit of whatever. So I think of uh, an opportunity that I had uh, several years back while I was working on a uh, graduate school thing online, and uh, I had surprise overthought everything in this program <laughs> and uh, was I had printed off every syllabus to every class that we had in advance, and I was trying to match this up, how it would fit my schedule the best. And it was three no of us accident. Around, three of us around this table would do that, <laughs> and one of us would not. So I printed off this, and it was no accident that the evangelism class I had put off until the very last one. Hmm. And hmm. Um, so in, in the class were just some different assignments, one of which was, you know, you have to verbally share your faith with someone else. And... Uh, along with a during doing a servant evangelism project for this particular person and so i went over to my neighbor who was um he's a muslim and i just asked him i said so tell me what do you believe as as a muslim and so he begins to explain some different things to me and what was his right right at the very beginning yeah so you ask him this question um Explain for us mm-hmm. what his response um, was. We're just standing in the front was yard. He, was what do you he believe like, about was he being weird? Muslim? No, right. no, no. Was yeah. he weirded out? Did he like, why did you ask me this? No, like, it what? was, it, he was not weirded out because there was a reason behind it. And that was, I was doing this for an assignment. So you did the assignment thing. Yes, I hey, did. I That's got an kind assignment. of cheating. Yes. I realized no, that. I don't know if it's but cheating. It's just I, like, the truth is I do have an assignment. And yeah. so I do, I, I do want to f- 
as a part of this sure. assignment and as a part of my whole life. Sure. Okay. Sure. So um, tried it that way. Also had to verbally share my faith with another neighbor of mine and uh, took him to lunch. And I just said, hey, explain to me, what do you believe? This is what I believe about Jesus. What do you believe? And I found out during that conversation, it was a little awkward, but we believe totally different things mm -hmm. about this. Still have a, a very good relationship with him and still desire to have him come to know the Lord. So um, that kind of more formal situations. Um, informal situation would be uh, several weeks back had a guy come over and he was cutting our trees. And uh, he kept saying um, that he would make this statement, you know, I'm sorry I've been kind of backed up. I've been without my son. He just kept repeating this, been without my son, been without my son. Okay, so kind of that situation where you're going, I think he wants me to ask about his son, right? <laughs> so sure. said, hey, you know, tell me what's going on with your son. And so his son was uh, drinking heavily, was cutting down a tree at the same time. And God, uh, he, was, he didn't die, but he's had some serious, serious physical issues. And so we're standing there in my garage. And I said, so did he have a problem with alcohol? And his statement was, well, no, not really. He just got a six-pack every day on the way home from work. He was good. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I think he had a problem with alcohol. But um, we're kind of continued the conversation, and I just sensed, like, I feel like I need to say something or pray at the very least. And I just, there in my front yard, I said, hey, I know that this is might seem awkward, but I know that your son's, can I pray for you and mm -hmm. your son? Mm -hmm. Prayed for him uh, right there awkwardly in my front yard, and he left and did not convert <laughs> to Christ at that sure, moment. Sure. But I know I'm going to call him back the next time that sure. I need my trees cut. Sure. And I'm going to trust that God is going to work through this situation and look for those opportunities. And so, and I've had those natural Holy Spirit moments where God has led me to people and I've folded and I've not said it. Or mm. I, I've not made that opportunity. But so just a couple different ways, I would say formally ways that I've done that. And then informally more as, as God leads Okay, so Justin, what do you got? Sure. Some of the some of the ways. Yeah. So no, I I I've found when I've had to do what you're saying the formal side of it. Yeah. Probably three or four times between Ozark and yeah. Denver Seminary. Right. People are so diffused mm -hmm. when you say, "Hey, I'm working on an assignment," or "Hey, I'm working on this speech." <laughs> Truly, uh, no, I, I know, and, and I wouldn't even say it's cheating. I mean, I, nope. I get it's why you're saying that. <laughs> no, I, I really don't think it is. The yeah. problem is, is that it just doesn't. We're not able to do it all the time. Yeah, right? I know. it's I not know. very repeatable. But it is. I need it's to an, make up a homework assignment. It's just winsome. <laughs> like, like it's it's putting people at ease. And, so, for those of you that are listening, you have a homework assignment. <laughs> you do. You can always say you have an assignment. Your yeah. assignment is from the Lord. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, I, I found, like, people love to talk about these things when it's not like a heated situation actually mm -hmm. i've not i've run into one person that just would not have the conversation only one mm -hmm. and my my years of trying to communicate jesus to people um and even then it's like okay that shows me something sure. in your heart sure. and I'm, i will pray for you as you walk mm -hmm. away and flip me off um and the other side where most people are like willing to have the conversation most people okay with it I am so surprised how many people just haven't thought through a lot of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. just have not thought through a lot of it. Sure. And so I love to get in there and just ask questions, truly. Yeah. Just like you're saying, ask kind of what they believe and just kind of as they're speaking, I want to understand their point of view. And so I'm, I'm truly, we read a book called How to Think by Alan Jacobs and talks a lot about this. Don't put words in people's mouth. Don't yeah. build up straw men truly try to understand their point of view their worldview on their terms yeah and then once you fully can once you understand it you can say here's here's kind of where i'm at um this is interesting with high school students who don't think through many things but (laughs) especially not some of the deepest things in life but hearing like they're very genuine like things are going through so talking to a a friend yesterday feels anxious on a daily basis that he's going to hell somebody who's been part of church for a long time Mm -hmm. on a daily basis Mm -hmm. feels that Mm -hmm. so why do you feel anxious about that articulate that and comes come to go it's he feels this if i do more good than bad Mm -hmm. that's what it is and found out this is not christianity right what you're believing isn't actually real and so you help them see here's actually what the truth about who jesus is and what he has to say about this version of life i think about um a, a friend of mine from a long time ago who came to me with some serious issues and in that moment I can just like say everything's gonna be okay or I can say hey just so you know I think like there's hope in the midst of this like seemingly hopeless situation and kind of let that hang there and then say what that hope is and how in Christ and in the body of Christ that is a real thing um, I think about my some close people to me and they love to talk about politics they love to talk about politics seems like the only thing they want to talk about that's serious and using those things and asking so why do you believe that like and not Mm. i'm I'm gonna go i'm not here to talk about politics i'm working to go behind that what like what caused you to lean toward this and naturally want to defend this area this side of the aisle and then they've quite naturally begin to talk about their worldview and that easily leads toward me saying oh that's interesting I've always kind of thought this and never like one of the things I've tried to do this wasn't me naturally in the beginning I'm not trying to like beat somebody down and show how I'm so much smarter and so much uh, my worldview so much better I'm I'm more like presenting it like here it is and here's how it's different from yours that's w- w- something I think we really got to try, especially if you're competitive like me, where it like, can easily become a debate or a competition. Who's going to win this conversation? That never works. Rarely ever. I don't I've never experienced yeah, it. No, it doesn't so. work for me either. Ryan, what do you got for us? I, I might sound like more of the same, but it's like I just I really think it's important that we learn how to wiggle into people's lives. And that is mm-hmm. it takes a very wiggle wiggle engendism wiggleism <laughs> wiggleism well i think we need wiggle more, the, wig- more of the evangelism yeah there you go but by that i mean like sometimes we 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 are willing to engage with people so long as they're interesting to us and <laughs> so long as spending time with them suits our schedule totally or suits cool. our totally. particular interests and I think that one of the things that the gospel forces us to do is to take an interest in other people for their own sake and in the things that they like. And 
Like, I hate politics. They drive me crazy. But I intentionally stay as aware as I can because I know that I come across people rather often that like to talk about that. And so one of the ways that I can eventually get to what I want to talk about is to engage with them on kind of what they want to dialogue about. So it's a little bit of the asking them questions and taking an interest. I mean, I have a number of hobbies that were not choices initially. They were they were like things that I began doing to spend time with certain people and to become a part of their life and to become someone that at, at some level they trust so that not that I will wait a long time to start talking about the gospel, but that my credibility increases over time. And what I've been saying this whole time starts to, well, I mean, Ryan and I are kind of on the same page everywhere else, except this one thing. I wonder mm -hmm. if I need to reevaluate this, mm. you know, and just a little thing in terms of how I present the gospel is I never say this is what I believe because then it just sounds subjective. I just declare it as fact. So you know that like Jesus died, like he's a real guy and then he died and that he was God. Well, that's what you believe. No, I'm not, that's a fact. <laughs> and uh, and I, I do I do follow him. So I, I, I kind of go with the allegiance side of it and the I'm a follower of Jesus side. And I just when you start to state biblical truths as matter of fact, it mm -hmm. makes people pause and think about it in a different mm -hmm. way because they're used to dismissing things as opinions. Religious things are opinions. And I just I talk about them as if they're facts. And it doesn't, I mean, it's not like it's a wildly successful evangelism campaign, but it, I have seen numerous moments where it's caused someone to sit and think, wait, why are you so sure about that? Yeah, and who's, who's sure. saying this is a fact? And now and I, you're not even, you're not even like demanding no. them accept the fact. No. You're just speaking it more from a factual position. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, you could say, I don't think that OSU's colors are orange. I'm like, I, I could do, I could be Jim Johnson. I'm sure you don't think that's true, but it is true. <laughs> You know, and that, and whenever I start presenting it as fact and they want me to justify it, then all my apologetics training starts rolling in. Mm. Instead of sit down and I'm going to give you a lecture, I almost, I sucker people into asking me to defend what I believe. And then I'm ready to go. You know, we're off to the races. And so there's a little bit of this, hear this word in its context, please. I'm, I am manipulating situations to get people to be interested in what I want them to be interested in. I can steer stuff with good questions. When I start to make you know definitive statements, like you, you gotta do this, or you gotta do this, and here's what I want you to do, people are very defensive. But when I sucker them into asking the questions, mm -hmm. it's amazing how soft they are. Well, hear what he's saying. I mean, manipulate sounds like a dirt, that's why he gave it this caveat. He's what he's another way to say it is he has a plan. Mm -hmm. Like he has a plan for what he wants to do. And part of what we're doing with this podcast, part of what we're doing with some different things at Easter is to help give you a plan. Yeah. Because if you don't have a plan for what you're gonna do when you're in these situations, that's okay. Still do it. Yeah. But eventually you'll learn like, oh, I I'm gonna be a little bit more strategic about yes. this. Yes. Yeah. And that's okay. That's good. And what, here here's what, where I'm taking that cue from. So this is second or first Corinthians nine. Verse 19, Paul says, for though I am free from all, I might may I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them to the Jews. I became a Jew in order to win Jews to those under the law. I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law to those outside the law. I became as one outside the law and then further down to the weak. I became weak that I might win the weak. 
I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. Yes. And so I'm I, it's a little bit of this chameleon game that I'm constantly I'm trying to be friends with everybody and it's very strategic. It is not because I need more friends. And I'm trying to like I said wiggle into people's lives. So definition of manipulate is to handle or to control typically in a skillful manner. You know, so it, there there can be a negative side to that. Sure. Right. But what you're actually I like how you described it, Justin, that what you're describing is an intentionality. You know, we in our staff meetings on Monday, we had a little bit of this conversation because um, I hear Christian people, particularly leaders, make statements like, you know, it really shouldn't be. Um, we need to make sure we don't treat people like projects and we really need to make sure that we don't. And I. I get, it goes back to your question, Justin, about the statement in regards to um, uh, preach the gospel at all times if necessary. I get what you're trying to say. People aren't projects, they're people. So to somehow dehumanize them as we manipulate, again, using all these very loaded terms, yeah, that would be sinful and that would be wrong because that's not who they are. They are people made in the image of God who are in rebellion against him, mm-hmm. who are standing under God's judgment, and those of us who've experienced God's grace and desire for God to be glorified in the lives of all men and women, um, we desire for them to come to a saving faith to experience joy and peace and hope. Yes. Right? Um, but it's so interesting that I, I think we try to so you know, flood the, 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 the story or control the story. I, I don't know how to not actively engage people without it at some level in my mind. You know, I, I can either call it a project or I can call it a purpose, but it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. One has a wicked heart and one has a good heart. So the problem isn't our interactions with people. Our problem is, is like, what is our purpose? Yeah. And um, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I also believe that um, Christian people, well-intended Christian people, again, love to use the we really shouldn't treat them like projects as another reason to not engage. Mm. Yeah. You and it's, it's the same concern that you would, we, we might call someone a project. Well, you're just trying to fix them. I'm like, yeah, in the same way, I guess my kids are projects then. My wife's a sure, project. Sure. Everybody's a project. Like. To say, for me, to say that I wouldn't uh, wouldn't treat someone as a project, is all I, I'd take the other side. You don't care enough about them to invest yeah, in them no, and to exactly. go after them and to care exactly. for them and to provide truth to someone who is, without this truth, yep. very damned. Yep. I, I'd rather just call it a project. Yep. Or, you know. And we need to make sure, that, so I'm going to tell you this, that's why we need to make sure that we focus on the heart. So let's let's make sure that we remind people of the people that we are sharing the gospel with in terms of their worth before God mm-hmm. and greater than that, the glory that God is being robbed from. I mean, we so, one thing I've, is that I think is fundamentally broken in our, uh, in, our, in our religious world is we seldom think of evangelism from a divine perspective. Mm-hmm. We, we, the Bible seems to talk about God not being worshiped, like somehow that's like an injustice. Okay. Never heard of a social justice warrior saying, you know what I'm really concerned about? The fact that God is being mistreated. He has been kind and generous and giving and uh, uh, forbearing and, and patient. And I just don't think people are, are giving him the respect he deserves. Never. I mean, th- th- that is so not a part of our evangelistic. It's people are lost. And, and that also is true. Mm-hmm. That's point two, not point one. Mm-hmm. 
point one begins with the creator and point two then moves to those of us well no us as in humanity made in god's image in rebellion against him those of us who have found by his grace and his kindness um, a relationship with him need to actively then engage those on the other side um, who do not know him and we need to do it purposefully with well-intended hearts genuinely caring for them and caring for god Mm-hmm. And let's just take the loaded words and let's put them off the table. I, I use this example in our staff meeting. You know, it's, it's so weird. We could, we could, we could restate anything um, to control in the negative sense to manipulate something. And I use the example, you know, the only reason why any of you are here is because you're getting paid. So it's all about the money, right? Actually, that's the way that you've set up that argument is not true. Although the logical steps seem to indicate that. So the only reason why you're meeting with me is because I'm a project, right? Well, truly, in in one of the ways, the real reason why I'm meeting with you is because you don't know the Lord, and that concerns me. But to try to make it sound like that's the only thing, that really isn't true. Like, I really, I can look at my neighbors and go, I genuinely care about you. Um, And I want you to know the Lord. Mm -hmm. But even if you don't do that, like, I I still care about you. I want you to, I want you to, (laughs) there's so much. And we get into this, it's the danger of a reductionistic, reductionistic way of thinking. So be careful, I would say, to finding peace in believing that the way that you drive and the Jesus fish on the, actually, you probably don't even have one anymore, but the, the subtle ways in which you express your faith is most likely not really witnessing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's, it's more of a, of a passive, which is fine, and we should do that all the time, but there needs to be more of an intentional. I would say be careful not doing something and feeling good because you're not treating people like a project that what you might be guilty of is just having no purpose that it ends up with the glorification of God and the obedience of um, both the lost and then ultimately the saved in terms of who he is. Um, real quickly, my, my, my approach, um, and I'm going to use three big words that I always think about. Um, and I'm grateful for Francis Schaefer, who's one of my most helpful thinkers, weirdly enough, in terms of evangelism, and he does it through some profound discipleship. And wearing knickers. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> wearing knickers. Name the title of the book you're referencing. Or well, the actually, the one I love is called Trilogy, which kind of goes through his three books. Um, but if you just type, if you just type, in, type, uh, type in into Google Francis Schaeffer, the trilogy, it's his three books, and they're on, and, and I don't think they're complicated words, but I'm the same anyway. Steve, can I say them? You're our director. Thanks. Steve's giving me permission. First one is metaphysics, which is what, what really is out there. Is there a God or is there not a God? And so I think in terms of metaphysical terms. And then I think in terms of um, uh, epistemological terms, which um, you don't need to know what that word is, but essentially is like, how do you know things? Like, how do you know there is a God or isn't a God? How do you know some of that stuff? And really, instead of just dealing with the objective reality that there is or isn't, it, it asks more of a deeper question which is, like, what do you believe and what do you trust? Like, how do you know for those of us that believe in the resurrection? Like, how do you know that, mm-hmm. right? I, I invite that question at every turn. So there is a kind of an epistemology. So I love, to, I love to think in terms of epistemology. And then lastly, I love to think of ethics, which is, like, what is right and wrong and why is it right and wrong? And it's interesting how um, everyone's lives come down to those three major questions. And the, his three his book trilogy, which is the three books that kind of come along, it is so helpful 
And so I'm always thinking, you know, we were in Israel recently in my conversations with Lara, um, you know, I'm asking metaphysical questions and epistemological questions and I'm asking ethical questions. And then what I try to do is I try to find like something that they really care about, something that they are really convicted about, that they know, or something that they are really passionate about that they think is right or wrong. And then once I find that, that's when I love to ask them like two things. Number one, like, why does that matter so much to you? Like, why do you care so much about? And that's why I I love the the SJWs, the social justice warriors, who particularly who really don't have like a Christian bias to them. Mm -hmm. They're just they care about people, which I can come alongside that. I, I care about people, too. Why do you care about people so much? Well, because and and when we begin to get the ball rolling. And so I love to think in those terms so that I can begin to have conversations about the reality of God, mm-hmm. um, the, the trust or the faith that I have, particularly in, either in the Bible or maybe even some mistrust that I have in my own experiences. Or I love to even ask people, like, um, you seem to be living your life as though there isn't a God. How do you know that? Mm-hmm. And I love and I leave it. I don't try to mm-hmm. I don't try to catch them. I don't or try to even on the other side. You you say you don't believe in God, but you seem to be living a life. Mm-hmm. That is rather uh, good living. Yeah, right? good living. And so, while we would say, "Yeah, that's not really possible," there is always this sure. I mean, kind of this general revelation, or you know, God has just put this on our hearts, and we cannot get away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can't. Romans so it's one, not Psalm it's 19. not saving. Yeah. yeah, but it is. They are doing it. And just, where does that come from? It doesn't save them. Right. And that's, by the way, that last one was ethics. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. wh- like, where do you get that from? And, yeah. and by the way, you read any good apologetics books, they're dealing with metaphysics, epistemology, and, um, and mm-hmm. ethics. Yeah. And, and I, weirdly enough, the ethics one is the most fun. Um, many of you, of, of, our, of our listeners, know of a young man that lived with Andrew and I for a long time, Tomas, who was, um, at the time, uh, a devout vegan and a genuine champion for humankind. And um, I didn't want to argue with him about eating choices. I didn't want to. But I just kept asking him, like, what's your basis for that? Why do you know that? Why are you so passionate about this? And I, A, I learned a ton about him. And then by the time that I was done, and, and hear me, he lived with us. So I had a lot of inop- or opportune times. And it was fascinating how the conversation begins to happen naturally when you're actively engaging. And Drew, you were right. Ask questions. Don't just, don't just tell people what you think, sure. um, but really this, this active engagement of, hey, why do you believe that? Or how do you know that? Mm-hmm. Or why is that so valuable to, to you? Um, and those kinds of questions really naturally lead mm-hmm. to that. So here's what I want to end with, because there's no timer on here, but Steve, do you know what we're at time-wise? Yeah, it's prime time. Okay, so Steve's telling us we've got to wrap this up. Um, we're going to come back. Um, would love to do it with the three of you again. Um, and we're going to unpack Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and there might be some side pieces, but we're just going to get our Bibles out um, and just walk through the text. Because I think that's a great, it's, it's probably my favorite text to kind of walk through what's happening mm-hmm. with lost to save, salvation, evangelism. And it's a text that I like to use to describe that. Mm-hmm. So that's our plan. Um, but, but lastly, as we're leaving, I think it's important that people realize that we want to help them with this. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, so one of the things that was really interesting, Justin, you sent a great little reminder um, in, our, in our group text here a few minutes ago that basically said that 97% of people 
when they're asked in this one particular survey that their number one issue is not that they don't have the content, but they don't have the communication skills necessary to engage. So it's not about head knowledge. It's truly about like, how do you talk about that? Mm -hmm. And it's not content related. It literally is far more. I would tell you one of my favorite things to do, and you guys can jump in, is to when, when, when my friend Ryan has a friend that he's trying to share the gospel with and would like me to engage, I always invite Ryan along with me so that they can mm -hmm. see what this conversation mm -hmm. really yep. looks like so that you can learn. It's, I, I would even say it's like you've got to learn to speak this way. And that's what I love. And I even I even listen really closely when you know I'm with Justin and he's sharing the gospel. I'm like trying to learn how to talk better, yeah, more like good. Justin. So we're here for you. Anything you guys want to add as we close? Yeah. Uh, one thing I think as we try to have this podcast be something along the lines of how we share the gospel is also remember what happens when we share the gospel. What happened when Jesus taught about the kingdom of God? A lot of people rejected him. Mm -hmm. What happens when Paul the Apostle shares the good news of Jesus? Yeah, people reject him. He got hit with stones and cast out of cities and blah, 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 right? Okay, mm -hmm. so assume that your success rate may not be high because Jesus says, in fact, the way is narrow that leads to life. Mm -hmm. So just remember that. And don't let it be a deter, uh, deterrent for you continuing to share the gospel, even with someone who is at first rejected it, maybe. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, uh, who knows how many real times. But it's many times, it's not just a conversation or even two conversations. It's conversations over and over and yeah. over before somebody finally makes the decision to commit their lives to this truth. And it's, and it's working like I pick up a ball that somebody else put down six months ago sure. all life. I don't, I don't think mm -hmm. I've ever taken anybody from they've never heard of Jesus to the baptistry mm -hmm. on my own. Mm -hmm. I am always working with other people's input, and I'm sure there's lots of work that I've done that someone else, you know, sealed the deal or whatever. So d don't be deterred from sharing the gospel because of the rejection of the gospel because they rejected Jesus and they've rejected every apostle and they've rejected every sure, preacher sure. you know too. Yep, yep. The other would be to uh, learn to contextualize it. As we, We've been going through Acts at Sunnybrook and one of the beauties of Acts that's kind of behind the text is seeing how they share the truth of Jesus to the different crowds which, it, which they're in whether they're in a very Jewish crowd or in their very Greek crowd, yep. they take the same truth and they put it in a different package. When I preached that 1 Corinthians 9 text, that's what I did on the stage. I had these different boxes in the same cross going through. Because you do. We have different people here who, diff who need to... You, you inroad with them in different ways, yep. but you share the same core truth of who God is and what he's done in and through Jesus. Yes, that's good. Drew, anything you want to add? This has gone long. I, the only thing that I can think of is that um, it seems like the people that responded to Jesus in his ministry were those people that were desperate. And um, there are many people that will come across that have these external signs of being desperate, or at least in our own terms, we, a, a disease or close to death or at that point in life of just breaking. Um, and I would say that those are incredible opportunities to share the gospel, but don't forget that we'll say his name is Trevor yep. across the street that has everything lined out. Uh, great job, two brand new cars, a boat, lake house, and uh, thinks that 
has got things just under control is just as desperate and we have to find ways to help people see how this is just not going to do it for you and so i think be aware of both situations for sure let the gospel impact your life and shine through you by the power of the spirit Um, speak articulate the gospel to those who need to hear it and to those who've already heard it Um, thus is the christian life we love you guys and we look forward to connecting with you next time as we unpacked Ephesians 2.